Hello and welcome to Shaping Success. I'm your host, Wes Tankersley. Hey, if you can do me a real big favor right now, if you are watching this on the live show, please do a watch party. If you are tuning in on the podcast, please do a like, share, and review on Apple Podcast. Today is episode 38 with my guest, Duncan Sorso. Duncan currently owns a clothing brand called Team Omai. Omai is an acronym for Out Hustle My Yesterday. Such a great message. Duncan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Wes. Yeah, hey, it's awesome to get to talk to you a little bit because I was really inspired by your interview with our mutual friend, Zach, which you've met Zach before. I've mostly just talked to him. I did interview him before too, but you guys had some great insight and input and it was just a really great interview. So I wanted to get you on here. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. Honestly, I was a little taken back when all of a sudden my phone's blown up after talking to Zach and there's your share and stuff and, and jumped on and, and just had to, to talk about that message. And, and, and that just really hit home for me. Cause that's, that's why you do it. You're, you're trying to share your mindset on work ethic and, and through this clothing brand and, and hoping to inspire some people. And, and so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to, to be on and get to talk to you and just, and even just to get to say thanks to you personally. So appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hey, so let's, before we talk about OMI, oh because there's this really great, it's just a really great message and I love, I love what it stands for. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you're in Canada. Tell us kind of where you grew up and kind of your little background with school and stuff and things like that. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. For the American listeners, it's pretty much the middle of Canada. From there, grew up there, played baseball, lots of sports growing up. I had 18, moved away, and then just kind of little bit of a journeyman. I was in North Dakota for a year, then Lethbridge, Alberta for two, then down to Louisiana, then back to Lethbridge and Calgary, then Winnipeg, then Calgary, and making a lot of great connections along the way. And, and uh, baseball especially kind of opened some doors for me and, and uh, has allowed me to, uh, to get to, to where I am today. So pretty much all your traveling was done through baseball. Is that what, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, those first, well, like the... I mean, four of those years were, were playing college baseball. And then after that, it was a bit of whether it was where me and my girlfriend were living at the time or where there was a coaching opportunity to kind of followed some of those things and tried to get a regular job in, in between there for a few years and then uh, decided, decided to, to bet on myself, as Zach likes to say, and, and uh, jumped into Omai. Yeah, so, but Omai isn't the first, the first clothing company, right? You started out doing some other stuff and then ended up starting a clothing company. And I kind of want to paint the picture of the stuff that you had to go through to get to where you are now and how Omai has become such a success. And it all starts out with taking that first step. And that first step isn't always one that has a lot of foundation. Talk a little bit about, you know, where it started and and the thoughts of starting your own clothing brand. Yeah. So a little backstory on me, like I'm an only child. My parents were always big on me being well-rounded. And so sports were one thing that I was big into, but then they also said, you have to have something to kind of balance it. And so for me, that was always art. And I had worked work in my sketchbook and, and on bigger art projects and kind of thing, but just always my sketchbook was kind of the place to get away when, when sports were a little bit uh, tough or some other things were going on. Art, art was kind of my, my getaway. But because I was so heavily influenced by sports and, and sneaker culture and whatnot, I kind of always was working on stuff like that in that sketchbook. And then I want to say 2012 or 2013, I initially started a clothing brand. I called it GFI 
it was grown from idea. All the shirts had a deeper meaning behind them. You got a little tag that had a basically like a poem on it that explained it and what the shirt was about. Um, I was trying to be like the like LRG, but it really it really was kind of all over the place. That was my my co-op as I was finishing university, I'd say. And so I sold some shirts. I had some people get excited about it, but it also fell flat on its face in in about a year and a half, just because everything was was kind of all over the place. And I'd be trying to make a shirt for this guy and trying to make a shirt for somebody who sings, but also likes sports. And then somebody who likes this, but also maybe plays sports or somebody who's a whatever, like a bit of a, a dreamer. Or then there was one for somebody with a chip on their shoulder. And like, there were good ideas. There wasn't a kind of a cohesive theme to them all. So I learned a ton from it, but I, I certainly knew it was time to shut it down when it, it just wasn't really going anywhere. And so Omai is a little different because you are actually, you dabble in uniforms, but you're also creating clothing for other people as well. And talking with Zach a little bit, it sounds like you kind of have limited runs of things. So like you'll create something and it'll go for a little while and then you'll pop in something else. You don't always have something running all the time, right? Yeah. So we like, we'll do custom um, shirts for teams where we take an idea, like an Omai idea and their logo and we'll work it in to each other. And and we do those kind of one-off things for them. But then all the stuff online is always a limited run, whether it's always less than 100. It's usually about 50 or so. Since we're a post-game apparel brand for athletes, and I say we retire it, just like your athletes do eventually kind of thing, right? So we we have a ton of ideas that we want to share, and, and I, I don't really believe in just trying to sell the, the shirt that just says, oh my, across the chest, and hey, everybody jump on that. And I think as much as we're similar, athletes are all similar, and we're trying to get better than we were the day before. There's a lot of different athletes under that umbrella, whether you're the underdog, whether you're, you might be the blue chip prospect, but that doesn't mean you can't work hard, right? And so and there's kind of a range there that, that the ideas appeal to, and that just leads to the, the unique designs that we come up with. I think one of the really cool things about it is I just love the message out hustle my yesterday, which to me typically means that to be successful, you have to be better than you were the day before and always striving to do more. And it was funny because when I ordered the shirt that I'm wearing, you sent in some of those uh, bands as well. I grabbed the one that said out hustle my way yesterday and I threw it right on my daughter. And I'm like, Hey, you need to think about this. You need to think about what the meaning of this is because she's going to this tennis class. And every time we go in there, she's just, you know, she's seven. So she's all over the place. And it's like, we're going to put you into this. You need to be better today than you were yesterday. And now she wears that thing. And then I said, what are you going to do today at tennis class? And she told me, I'm going to, I'm going to out hustle my yesterday. So it's, it's kind of a cool little reminder. That's, that's what it's all about. I love those. I love those stories from, from the young athletes to older guys that just that message on the, on the wrist and, and the reminder that, that it can provide. Yeah. Talk about what it took to start because obviously there's failure, right? And everything you, you're going to fail at some point in, in your process. I'm sure that you still deal with this every once in a while. You have a shirt that, like you said, you want to retire it. It's a limited run. Maybe you don't sell as much of that one and it takes longer to retire that shirt. Now that you're into OMI and it's starting to gain traction and be successful, what did it take to get started with that? What would you tell someone who is starting out their own clothing brand? Because it seems to be there's a lot of people and obviously you're not always successful in that. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I would say you have to have your, your, a clear vision that you are going to stick to and really give that some time. And whatever that that's going to look different for everybody. But for me, I said, I'm going to give this three years to see if there's something here. And I know what we are as a brand. I know what we're going to put out. I've got that plan 
and you kind of have to stick to that. That doesn't mean you won't listen to some ideas as you go and, and adapt kind of thing, but you have to be true to yourself or to your brand in that way. And then the other thing is it's kind of a rinse and repeat. It's like, you got to have a quality product you have to have some kind of experience for the customer or some way that like a little speed bump that when they, whether it's when they order or when they get their package, it's going to slow them down a little bit and have them go, wow, these guys really cared about me as a customer. And then you just have to rinse and repeat that over and over and over again and trust that process, so to speak. And over time, that's going to help it grow. But if you don't kind of stick to those things and give it some time, you'll, you'll never know which part works if you're trying all kinds of other different things. So that'd be my, the biggest advice to somebody starting, I would say. So be patient. Don't just start jumping. Like if something doesn't sell right away, don't just go, oh, I got to stop. Let's just move on to the next yeah. thing. Yeah. And like, like, for example, so I, I did a shirt. It's based off the Sandlot. It's got a three on the back for Babe Ruth. And in the three, the three is made up of all the different names that the kids say when Smalls doesn't know who Babe Ruth is. So it's like the Salt in the Swat, the King of Crash, like all those things. So once people see it, that they're baseball people, they're like, man, that's amazing. That thing flopped. Like yeah. I gave those ones away. They just didn't work. I did it for a team. They loved it. That one worked. Then I did it on the website. Nobody bought it. But that doesn't mean that you go like, wow, we're not a clothing brand or wow, now we're not going to try something based off of sports culture and movies. And we're not going to try it like the shirt you're rocking with Soroka that's based off of Space Jam, right? Like Mike's secret stuff. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't mean you're not going to try something again. You just have to go, okay, what didn't work about that? Maybe it was our marketing. Maybe it was the time that we dropped it. Maybe it's that kids don't watch Sandlot anymore. Heaven forbid. But like, I don't know. Like you just, and you just got to kind of trust that the next one's going to be, be a little bit better than than that drop right and 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 focus in and and maybe not go over 50 but i mean you're not you're also not going to go 50 for 50 to, to go to a baseball analogy right like you're allowed to have some that don't work as well but then they then people reach out after and they're like man if you ever bring that back i want it so you go okay well maybe the timing wasn't right right and as it comes back maybe that's when you unretire when sandlot turns 50 or 25 or whatever and go from there that's part of gaining traction. I mean, honestly, you look at like Jordan and how he has his shoes and now they're re-releasing all the old ones. And those are the ones that, you know, me as an almost 40 year old person wants, you know, I want yeah. those. I want, I want that set yeah. of 10s. I want that, you know, you want all these different shoes. And now instead of being a hundred bucks, they're 250 and you're like, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah. you'll pay it because you want them. Absolutely. And those, oh man, those first one to 11. <laughs> yeah. They don't they make them like they used there. to. No. Yeah, they had some, they had some options. I, li I liked, you know, as, as a teacher, so I was a PE teacher and I would wear a different pair of shoes every day, you know, not every day, not 365 days, but like typically match my shirt to my shoes. I wanted to look like the cool PE teacher, you know, and I would get like, I have a pair of, I think I started with 31. So I have the 31s, the 32s and the 33s. And then like this year, they just kind of got a little crazy again. And it's, I don't know. It's back and forth, but they, those ones, those beginning ones were the sweetest of all of them. Yeah. So I got a pair of threes in a box that only come out when the sun's shining. Yep. That's right. You can't get those things dirty. No. I think that one of the big things that really, you know, really got me wanting to talk to you was kind of the baseball talk that you had with Zach a little bit and how it relates to life and things like that and you, how you were able to, and we've already talked a little baseball analogy anyway, but how you were able to relate that to life. You said a couple of things that just kind of like, fired me up because I coached baseball, you know, two years ago and now I don't, I don't teach or coach anymore. So I've always wanted to go back to it, but just don't have the, you know, I can't make the money doing what I need to do in order to raise a family and take care of things. A couple things that you and Zach talked about, just like 
really hit home and then reminded me of something else. You said, it's easy to grow dirt, but hard to grow grass. That is one of those things that I just was like, man, that is crazy. People don't really think about it that way. Do you use a lot of this stuff in your everyday life? Those analogies and things like that? Yeah. Oh, man, all the time. It's honestly, I, and I, I mean, I can, I would speak in sports in general, but, but for me, baseball personally has taught me more life lessons than, than actual baseball lessons even. Right. And it's just the way that you handle yourself, the way that you handle failure, the way that you approach the next at bat, the way that you take a big swing three, one, if you get a really good opportunity, because it's not all, I mean, it's not running your own business isn't always just dealing with failures, right? There's some really exciting times and some really great opportunities where, where you get to take those big swings and, and celebrate that. And, but then also just, yeah, how you handle the little things day in and day out. And I mean, I'm five, eight. And when I played, I was 150 pounds, right? Like I'm not lighting up any radar guns or the scouts aren't coming to see me. Right. But day in and day out that work and work and work and work got me to where to where I got to play college baseball and, and four years of it and make some great connections and, and have amazing experiences and, and be on some fields with some incredible players and, and, and be coached by some great guys. And, and that doesn't happen without that go in and put in that work day in and day out. And, and that's kind of what, how I approach oh my and, and life. And, and there's some days where I wouldn't even say it's a grind. Cause I just, I like that work. Like I, lo- I loved conditioning when we played, like I, okay, can't break me. I'm going to work through this and, and that kind of thing. And might be a little sick that way, but, um, like the way that I approach, oh my, it's like, okay, grind away, grind away, grind away. And then you have a sales day and then, and you go like, man, yes, this is why we do what we do. And, or you release a thing and you see people's responses or you send bands to somebody, surprise them. And they go like, man, that just made my day or that, that inspired my kid. Or you get messages. Like recently I've been getting messages from a few dads that are saying like, my daughter saw this video that you posted of a, of a girl hitting and like, thanks for just making them believe that like, there's a future for them too. And that like, they can play and just those kind of things. Like it just makes it all worth it. Right. And that doesn't come without that little, you just kind of chip away at it, chip away at it, chip away at it, put in the work. And then, then you kind of celebrate those successes and then, and then you keep going. And I think I talked about that a little bit in that episode. So typically what I do is I'll, I'll do an interview like this and then I'll post it and then a couple of days later, I'll do what we call bonus coverage. And so I'll go through what I took away from that episode. And it wasn't my episode and it wasn't my interview, but it was just, there was just so much there. And I was like, I got to, I got to post about this. I got to talk about this. And so that was one of the things that I talked about was the fact that these baseball kids, they don't understand anymore for the most part. I mean, you'll get, it's like anything, you'll get a diamond in the rough, right? You'll get one kid who wants to work his butt off and do everything that he can to be better. But for the majority of the time, they all want to go up there and swing for the fence. They all want to, win the game right away. And they don't understand that a home run is not that easy to do, right? It's not that easy of a feat to happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. I honestly swear, I think I probably saw in my five years of coaching baseball at the high school level, I saw two home runs and that's it. And now we're up there and we're talking about, you know, one, one at bat at a time, get on base, be the best at running out or, you know, Whatever it is, no matter what, you don't know what happens. And, you know, the reason why Hunter Pence's jersey is hanging back here is because I watched that guy play baseball and he plays baseball 100 miles an hour, no matter what. It doesn't matter if he knows that he's going to get thrown out at first, he's still running as hard as he can because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if that pitcher is going to make a bad throw on a bad bunt and you could be standing on the bag and you can't score from the dugout. I mean, these were just things that 
I always told kids and then you just, they look at you with that glazed look in their eye and it's like, but what if I hit a home run? It's crazy. No, absolutely. So, I mean, there's, yeah, you just, you try to pass that down to the, to the next generation that we're not all blessed with, with that level of talent that, that we see on TV or, or even that, that the 1% of the, the guys in the bigs have, right. And that, but the thing that you can't, you can't really teach as much and, and that, but also that you can't take away from them that travels is, is that, that hustle or, or just that compete. Right. right? And so that's what sets those kids apart. It takes a lot to get there. You know, I think, I don't know that, I don't think that kids quite understand that. I mean, there's a lot of parents pushing kids to play baseball year round and in, in any sport like basketball, baseball, I think are the two that you really see. Like these kids are playing year round. They're in the cage all the time. They're getting overuse injuries. They're not playing other sports and things like that. When I grew up, that was the way that you did it. And a lot of these other people too, but we have this new generation that is all one sport, all one, whatever. And then they expect for it to be perfect every single time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's tough. I just, I like, I like what seeing the athletes you just play everything. And it gets you, you know, I mean, it gets you in better shape for the next season. And that's what I like about it. So, oh my means out hustle my yesterday. We talked about that a little bit. What, what made you come up with that name? How did you figure that out? Yeah. That's a good, I get that question um, a lot from people because they go, how'd you come up with it, right? And, and I always, I like to shout out my, I had a, I had a high school art teacher. Um, her name was Jennifer Kirkwood at, at Kelvin. We did this exercise where you, you picked a piece of paper out of a hat and that was going to be the title of your art piece. And it was a random, um, like it was a noun kind of thing. And then you had three minutes off of that word to come up with whatever you were actually going to create. I can't remember what my word was on the art piece, but you worked your way down and just whatever came next, whatever came next, whatever came next. And so at the bottom, you came up with a word that was almost completely unrelated. But then the, the project was, how can you relate those two words together? And so I had always, I found this, the, this, the kind of freedom of writing that was, was a really cool exercise. And I, my, I think my parents still have the art piece. It, it worked, turned out really well. And so I was like, okay, I need a name for this thing. Like I had the outline. I knew what it was going to be. It was going to be post-game apparel for athletes. I had all that. And I was like, what the heck am I going to call this damn thing? And so I just started, I wrote that in the top of my sketchbook, like athlete apparel. And then I just started working down, working down, working down, working down. And then at one point I wrote down, oh my. And in my head, I was thinking like, what do announcers say when, when an athlete makes a great play? And that was one of the things that came to my head was, oh my. And I was like, yeah, they do. Like, Guys make a great play. It doesn't matter what sport it is. And, and you hear the announcer, they just can't help themselves, right? They go, oh, my, so-and-so, look at that, whatever. And so I was like, okay, that's it. I have the name. But then I was like, it has to mean something. Because I can't just be like, well, it's what the announcer says when you make a great play. Like, I'm like, it has to be a little bit more than that. And so, again, now off of oh, my, I started trying to work out what those letters could mean. And I had out hustle, um, figured out. And I had, I, I had something else where, where the why wasn't quite working. And, and I was texting with my, my good buddy, Corey in Winnipeg. And I was like, man, like I'm stuck. And I just need these last two letters. Like, I don't know what it looks like. And, and um, he texted me back one day and he just said, what about, he's like, so you got out hustle. He's like, what about my yesterday? And he's like, sleep on it. Think about it. Like, this is yours. Like, by no means do you have to take this. No pressure, brother. Like, and I just texted him back and I was like, that's it. I'm like, we've got it. Like, thanks, man. Like, you'll get a free shirt or whatever, right? Like, appreciate it kind of thing. And, and it's, it's just one of those things that when it clicked, you went, yeah, that's what we try to do as athletes. We have the, 
the short name for that we needed and and now we have the the pull it out and what it really means and and what this thing's going to be all about yep and no sleep needed exactly you just figured that you're like yeah that's it right there i love it and those are those victories those are those little victories and those 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 moments that make it so worth it like that are just so exciting to to be a part of on this journey right are those little bits where you're like yeah man that's it and like nobody else got that excited about the name but it's like people say it's good and all that kind of thing but like for me it was like okay here we go we have we have our our north star kind of thing right like this is what it's going to be about yeah, I like because it's just, it looks even like just looking at the logo on the corner of your screen right now, it's just such a cool logo. And then you dropped the uh, Letterman edition yesterday and I was just like, man, that just looks like, you know, it just gives you that that little bit of retro look and it's it's really cool. You think about that. I don't, is that something that they do in Canada? Do they have Letterman jackets and stuff like that? So like I'm 32 now and when I was in high school, we still got letters and I still have my varsity letter. But we didn't like jackets weren't as big a thing, but it's certainly at certain schools and the football teams would have them and the hockey teams and stuff. But like our basketball team wasn't good enough to get them and, and different things like that. Right. So, and I've just played club baseball and it wasn't, we didn't really have a high school team. So the, the opportunity to maybe have the letterman jacket is not as prevalent in the States, but it's certainly still that like the athletes are aware of that culture. And, and so making that patch with the chenille and, and being like, yo, this has to look like a letterman jacket and like let's do it right kind of thing was was definitely like we weren't doing the project unless that was was a, a doable piece of it for sure when you talk about you know we talk about it, so it's like it, it is out hustle my yesterday so what are you doing now what are you doing to out hustle your yesterday what's next with this where are you going yeah so well like in the next week we've got so like you mentioned the letterman project it's a duffel bag or a backpack pre-selling those because it's also a mystery bag so it comes packed with a toque three t-shirts a hoodie a crew neck obviously wristbands probably some stickers kind of thing all unreleased stuff nobody's seen yet and the only way that you can get those is by buying the backpack or the duffel bag so that's kind of my focus for the next kind of week in a bit and then after that it's it's just about like on my i have a whiteboard in, in the office and and it's about growing the brand two different ways it's like the grassroots way and then with kind of big athletes if you want to call them that or pro guys or whatever guys and girls and so it's about growing both of those streams and just continuing to connect with with our community and and with team omai and hopefully inspiring some some youth athletes and and also giving them some exposure as to what they're doing when they're working hard and that kind of thing and then just always looking at our next designs and and kind of what's what's coming down the pipe because Christmas is a big time for us. So this will drop community side, really, really trying to uh, just connect with the athletes, not just the professional ones, but uh, the amateur ones right now that are high school, college kind of thing. And, and in, in these uncertain times, just trying to keep them motivated by kind of sharing what they're doing and, and how they're working hard. And, and then it's always just back into the sketchbook and, and trying to come up with new ideas for uh, the future kind of thing going forward. So. You know, we talked about, and this kind of brings up something that I was thinking about the last time was we talked about how your, your mom was a teacher, right? And your dad mm-hmm. is a graphic artist, right? So he's basically technically an artist, correct? Yeah. How does that play into what you do? Because 
I feel like you kind of got a little bit of both worlds. You know, obviously we talked about how your mom expected you, your mom and dad expected you to kind of have a backup plan from sports and, you know, that kind of helped you out in a little bit. How did your dad kind of influence where you went with art? Yeah, that's a good question. He, so as a graphic designer, my, my school art projects, when, uh, when you needed a magazine cover or, uh, like a poster board or something like that, that, that had some graphics on it, you certainly had a, an advantage over some of the other students, but he would always, he was, he was a teacher in his own kind of right. Cause I would sit down at the computer with the controls and he would just sit there and go, okay, now here, command this and make save early, save often. And, and we'd be building something and, and uh, just showing me some of the kind of the tricks of the trade and how to prepare stuff for, to get it print ready. And then as that turned into screen printing and, and getting like the the artwork ready ready to screen print i understood vector and line art and could then kind of teach myself what um what my printer needed that way and then just even just being able to speak a little bit of the language and i i don't i'm not at all comparing myself to jay-z but in his book he talks about how he doesn't know all the technical terms to music and stuff but he can say add a little bit of this or add a little bit of that and so that's kind of how i feel i'm not technically trained on the on the graphic arts side or traditionally trained or whatever with in a in a classroom setting but i can speak enough of the language or, or kind of express what i want and build it that way so so who does all the design work for the is it you that does you design the logo you designed everything so you've done all yep. the all the artwork is done through you how big is your team is that just you as well, well i've got a sales guy in winnipeg working on kind of on team orders and and growing um, us out there. Um, Being from Winnipeg, I'd I'd like to get a bit more of a foothold there. And then we have, so I got a sales guy there. And then, you know, I consider a lot of our, our kind of our sponsored athletes as, as influencers. And so there's, there's a a core group of 15 or 20 people that we kind of rely on for some pictures and content that way. But yeah, the, the art side on the sales side, as far as the website goes and managing the website and the inventory and shipping and all that, yeah, that falls on, falls on my shoulders right now. And, and, some, and some close friends who come over when, uh, when you get the, the team orders that are really big and you're staring at a box of 100 or 200 t-shirts you got to fold. Yeah, and it's funny because I worked at a clothing company before. They actually do a lot of the designing stuff. Like I, I design kind of some of my stuff. Like the logo in the corner is my idea, but I had someone who was trained and you know like creating all that stuff design it for me who does the screen printing because i know that that's a that's a hassle too like that's a that's a big job is that something that you do as well no no i a long time ago so actually back to when i had the the first clothing brand gfi that fell flat on its face i made a really good connection with the guys at tiki press in medicine hat so big shout out to them and they will they'll try anything, any kind of thing that I can cook up and think up and print in a funny place or trying to fade something a certain way or print something really small and, and they're game to, to try anything. And so I've got a couple other suppliers that I use other times, but they're kind of the go-to as far as the screen printing goes. And, and, uh, we've been working together kind of for over 10 years now on, on numerous projects. And so they're, uh, they're some of the best in, in the business, I think. And, and they're, like their prints hold up. There's never any cracking with it that you see sometimes on, on some of the kind of the cost effective measures that way. And, and they just, they take pride in what they do. And, and uh, so, yeah, they're a lot of fun to work with. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not wearing my shirt today cause obviously it's a different day, but I really like 
some of the stuff that you have going on with there, like like you said, like this this Nike shirt that I'm wearing right now, you can see the cracks in in the logos and in the printing that they have on there. But the little tag that you have on there is really like one thing that you don't see on a lot of stuff. The tag that has the size on it and everything on the corner. The shirt just is nice and heavy. It's, it's just a great product. I really like it. And I'm assuming that you probably do some sort of testing and everything like that with anything that you put out to make sure that it is of the highest quality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was honestly, that was the biggest thing holding us up from, from launching was let's get a quality t-shirt that holds up, that doesn't shrink in the wash because athletes suck at washing their clothes and throwing them in the dryer. If you're in college, you're not going to hang all your stuff up to dry. Like you got to, you're at the laundry mat or at the dorm laundry. Like you don't have time for that. Right. So it really had to hold up and, and yeah, I test, uh, test everything out kind of a lot harsher than I think the average person is going to wear it beforehand. And then, yeah, the, I, I really like that you brought up the size tag. Cause that's, it's just like a Jersey tag. Right. And so just another yeah. thing that's, that's we're made for athletes. So what can we do that, that makes our shirt kind of like, like the Jersey that you're used to wearing. Right. And just like the, especially on like the NFL Jersey or the basketball Jersey where their size is right down there. And so I mean, that's, that's where that inspiration comes from. And I take a lot of my inspiration from, uh, from the sports culture and the sneaker culture. And I mean, I was raised on hip hop, so that's kind of where it all, uh, comes together. So, yeah, I like the reason why I got that one is when I read that, when I saw it, it's like, you know, it's just like a different take on my secret stuff or whatever. Like mm -hmm. it's a, just a little different and I knew exactly what it was from. I'm like, yeah, I gotta have that. When you talk about like you creating all this stuff, what, who, who, who inspires you? What is, what was one of your favorite artists growing up that you like to draw their stuff? Oh man. I, okay. I never thought I was a very good artist. Even when people say to me like, Hey, we really like that design or Hey, that's a good drawing or whatever. Like in my head, I'm just the guy that tries hard and I'm still playing catch up from like the high school I went to had some crazy good artists. Like one of my good buddies, when I was, when we were playing basketball together, like he sells his art now in galleries. Like the dude is like mega talented. And I'm just like over here in my sketchbook trying to sketch like a picture off of my baseball card or, or like out of sports illustrated. I drew so much stuff out of sports illustrated. I remember my art teachers being like, can you draw something other than like <laughs> a sports character today or whatever? And I don't know that I necessarily have a specific artist. I was always like, it was what I couldn't do always drove me. Like the guys that could just draw cartoons. I was like, man, I can't draw anything cartoony. And then the guy that could do abstract stuff, I would be like really hyper-focused on trying to draw something really realistic and, and recreate it to look exactly like the photograph, but then it doesn't quite look exactly like the photograph. So I had to kind of just try to create my own style, but I really, yeah, like, I don't even know if I could pick a, a specific artist, but there's just some like that graffiti style. And then I was like, I can't do that. Well, like it was just like all these things inspired me. And I, and I just really have tried to take elements of them and, and bring that into all my, but with kind of paying paying homage to them but also not trying to totally copy them because i was like i just i'm not that good like i just really didn't think it's it's like conor mcgregor says he's like there's no secret here there's no super talent it's just hard work and dedication and over and over again and and just really putting in that work well it's great that you like to challenge yourself i really like listening to that because you know when I was in high school or not even high school, when I was in middle school, I tried to do art, you know, like you took art class cause that was one of the electives and I never could draw anything. And it's so funny listening to you talk about it. Cause I would always draw like a logo, 
like Shaq had this logo. I don't know if you remember it, but he was like, yeah. he always was like Superman or whatever. And he would have the Superman logo, which, and then he would have Shaq written in there. And I, I tried to do that one time and my teacher was like, oh, this is okay, but it's not really original. You know, it's not like it's something that's really special. So that was kind of me. It was like, here's the logo. And I kind of gave up on it, but there's always a canvas, right? And that was funny because I interviewed one of my good friends, Vince uh, Van Voltenberg, who is a, a musician, but now he's a barber and he looks at everything as his canvas. And so hair is his canvas, right? And, and like my canvas is speaking. So that's why I do what I do. And so everyone has that option to have that canvas and and I think it's great that you found a way to put what you do onto your canvas, which I feel like is your clothing line. Mm -hmm. That's a great, I, that's a, that's a great way to put it. I like yeah. that. The things that I get from the people that I interview is, is amazing just because it's, it's kind of like me stealing from them, not really stealing from them, but just picking their brain and trying to figure out how they do things. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the secret to a good artist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that, use what you want and, yeah. and you have your product. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's do, so here's kind of where we're going right now. I think we kind of got where it's all going. I think we're, you know, I, I love what you're doing. I love the story and how you've created this success for you. I want to do a little quick fire questioning before we get to the, to the last, and I call it quick firing, but it could turn into more before we get into the yeah. last question, because I know that you're really dying to answer that last question. So, <laughs> um, these are just kind of either or, right? So. Coffee or tea? Coffee, for sure. Do you? And if you can get that, like uh, that bulletproof coffee or whatever, or uh, something with a little extra, like I'm all for it. So you like the bulletproof coffee? Yeah, I drink yeah. that oh, yeah. every so often. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. People think it's weird that you're putting butter in your coffee, but it, you oh don't. man! But then you do it, and it's just yeah. yeah. You don't even know it's there. I mean, it just no. tastes so different. Yeah. All right, dogs or cats? Oh, 100 dogs. Do you have one? I had a family dog. I, where we live now, I we can't have a dog. So a lot of friends with dogs. Yeah, one day soon. What kind of dog was your family dog? She, oh man, this, yeah, this could go long. So I'll be, <laughs> I'll be quick with it. Her name was Daisy. She was a 35 plus pound Cocker Spaniel who was thick and athletic. She like got sick when she was young and then they put her on a steroid that saved her life. And then we just let her eat and she got like jacked. And yeah. <laughs> The friendliest thing ever to people didn't really like other dogs might've been part of the steroid kind of thing, but could just go and play with the ball and was like a big enough dog that you felt like kind of tough as a 14 year old kid walking a dog. And yeah, no, she was awesome. <laughs> I have a Morky that's about the size of a cat and I'm six foot three, 250 pounds. And I look like a really manly person walking that dog. So. Hey, if you can pull it off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Would you rather get a phone call or a text? Who's it from? Just in general, from me. I want to say a phone call. Phone call? A phone call. Because, yeah, the text sometimes, I'm like, ah, am I really in the mood? And then you, you take a minute and you maybe don't answer it right away. And then you forget about it. Whereas, like, the phone call, like, you give me a second to warm up and then we can have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the oh, same cool. way. Like, it's in the moment. And I don't like the fact that I can't really read through a text what is going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I can hear inflection in your voice and know that, you know, you're you're happy or sad or whatever. That's the way I am too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. How about listening to music or listening to a podcast? Ooh, uh, I'd probably still be on music. Um, that's like a 60, 40 coin flip almost, but yeah, still music. Yeah. And I'm kind of that way too. Like I, I go through the day with both. It's like, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of music and I just get on that kick. Who's your favorite yeah. artist? 
Ooh, all time Tupac. Right now, J. Cole is still on there. I just found out about some guy named Joyner Lucas or something, and apparently then he's huge. Then you go find all these like huge, whatever, but he had a good album that I just listened to. Yeah. And then uh if you like basketball, Bill Simmons has this the book of basketball 2.0. And they're uh I just listened to one today. He's talking about Iverson's career and like kind of discrediting some of the analytics that say he wasn't that good and just saying like you had to see him play and for him to do what he did at really five nine, five ten, not even six feet is incredible. And yeah, I'm on I'm on board with that. I think he was a great athlete. He was you know, I yeah. mean obviously he's a little eccentric, but he was a great athlete. Yeah. He was real though, right? He was you could never say he wasn't being himself, right? He really right. paved the way for this generation to to be who they are and, and have their personal brands and he did it before Twitter and the internet, right? Like and a lot of that kind of stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? Because Tupac is like from my era, man. And you're not as yeah, old as me. Well, I'm thirty two, but I had older cousins. Okay. Yeah, because so, I'm I'm almost yeah. 40 and, and I, I jammed yeah. out the Tupac when I was like, Oh yeah. Like get a superstar ODB and stuff like that. Like my cousin would play that in her car when she drove me around. And then you were like, what is this? Like, I need to bring this back to like my friends and stuff. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, my parents say they didn't like it very much when we had control. No, my mom, my mom, why did they have to swear? I was like, but they're telling a story, mom. It's yeah. art. A hundred percent telling a story. Yeah. My dad would tolerate it. My mom would just listen to slow jams or something else. <laughs> Uh, yeah. okay. Beer or wine? Oh, I got to say beer or else. I don't know if I can ask, call my dad for advice. <laughs> okay. So what's, what's your favorite beer? I got to say beer. What? Um, uh, anything, honestly, there's, so Canada has a lot of good, uh, microbreweries and they recently kind of took the regulations off and, and have allowed them to be really successful that way. So anything, I mean, anything local like that is just, you got to support that stuff. So a little different. Yeah. A little yeah. different. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's what I like about like that here. They have a lot of those, uh, what do they call craft breweries around here? So yeah. there's lots of different types of beers like that as well. Yeah. So this one's going to be kind of controversial. We talked about this a little bit before, you know, I, I think that bourbon is the whiskey, right? And mm -hmm. in, in Canada, they have this thing called Canadian whiskey, which I talked to Zach a little bit about this. And, you know, he basically told me Crown Royal was trash, which I agree with. But is Canadian whiskey really whiskey? Yeah. Well, I don't think we can trash Crown Royal because it might be one of our like top 10 exports. But, uh -huh. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on the, on the bourbon. Right now we've got this, it's called Bullet Bourbon. We got that in our, oh, yeah. on our bar. And yeah, you just a little bit of, put that on, on the rocks or with a little bit of root beer even right now. I've been, and so, you know, I haven't I mean, tried that before, but I've heard that bourbon and root beer. I, I'm going to have to try yeah. that. Like my mixing, my wick, mixing bourbon is Jim beam just because it's not like, you know, mm. if you got a really expensive yeah. bourbon that you pay for, I'm not going to mix it with anything. It's going to no, be absolutely. on the rocks. So, yeah, but I've never tried it yeah. with root beer and that sounds kind of tasty. Yeah. Even just like a little splash, just a splash of root beer to add to it. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so if you had to choose between bourbon or scotch, what would you choose? I'd go bourbon. Bourbon, okay. Yeah. I'm kind of like in between, but it definitely would be, I, if I had to choose, like someone put both in front of me, it would be bourbon. So. Yeah. I think there's a little more layers to, to, like when you get to the good stuff, right? Like there's just a little bit more to it that for yeah. me, I mean, unless I was sitting there with a cigar or something after a championship maybe, but yeah. hard to say. <laughs> 
I haven't thrown down the cigars yet, but I've had a couple of guests yeah. who like to have those and, and they say that it's a really good conversation piece as well. So, yeah. Hey, so uh, thanks for having, so answering those little, those little questions here, we're going to get to the last question. And before we do that, we're, we have a last question sponsor and uh, I'm just going to read that off here real quick. So our last question sponsor is Podspout. It's the only promotion tool that you will need for your podcast. Head over to my IG account at west.tinkersley and check out the link in my bio. Use the code SUCCESS for a 10% discount on any paid package. So Duncan, it's been awesome having you on here, and I appreciate you coming back for a second time so we can finish the interview up. But we ask the same question to every single guest, and it's one of those ones where you have to kind of think about it a little bit, but success is different to every single individual. You know, it may be money, fast cars, and things like that for anyone, but that's defined by you. So the question is, is how do you define success? What is the shape of your success? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that question a lot. And, and after listening to a few of your shows, I, I thought about it for a long time and then getting kind of cut off and then coming back on, you had to put me on like ice the kicker and had to think about it a little bit longer. Honestly, for me, when I think about Omai and I think about um, measuring its success, yeah, you want to grow and, and have growth and, and put up bigger sales numbers as you go kind of thing. But success for me is, is the little messages that I get from, from athletes, from the parents, from somebody when they get their package that just says like, Hey man, that note meant something. Thanks for writing happy birthday to my son. Thanks for um, remembering that I messaged you when I was in a slump and, and you said, Hey, here's some wristbands to help you out kind of thing. And just that if I'm, it's really humbling to think that that I could say success for me is if I'm inspiring the next generation of athletes. And because I wasn't the best athlete, I tried really hard. I worked my butt off. I tried to be a good teammate. But if if I am inspiring that next group and from the five star blue chip prospect to the underdog kid, like that, that to me is is success in a nutshell. So yeah, I really like that message because I think that you inspire people. Just like I told you with my daughter, when I put that wristband on her, I told her that I said, you need to think about that. And even today, putting her in the car, she's going to tennis lessons again. And I said, I said, what are you going to do today? And she goes, I'm going to hustle my yesterday. So you got that message going around and it's, and it's an awesome message. And I wish you nothing but luck and hope that you have continued success with that. And I definitely appreciate you being on the show. Thanks. Honestly, Wes, thanks so much for having me. This, uh, just connecting this way and, and uh, getting to share a little bit of my story and what you're doing is inspiring as well. And so um, thanks for that and, and uh, continued success to you as well. Yep. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in. This is the end of the show. Until next time, I want to challenge you to find the shape of your success.